0: I'm about to become a dad. What do I do? My kids are in high school and I feel so disconnected. Does anyone else feel depressed in their first year of fatherhood? How can I manage my time better so I spend more time with my kids? My wife and I don't see eye to eye on parenting. How do we find the time to reconnect? How do I step up as a dad? Where can I find answers to the questions I have? Welcome to the arena. So guys, welcome to the Dad Syndicate Arena podcast. I'm here with my good friends, Alan Placer and Anthony Body. Guys, how's it going?
1: Going, going great. great. How you doing, Tom?
0: Yeah, you know how it is. The same old story every Tuesday. I'm actually bored of saying it, so I'm not even going to go into it. But um <laughs> <laughs> finished with a nice day of work, got my kids into bed. Um, yeah, so pretty much the usual dad stuff. Um, feeling good. Got some excellent um, guests lined up for the podcast. So some super... Super guests coming on. So, really excited about that in the next month. So, Dad Syndicate's really moving along. Download numbers are up. Just want to ask anybody watching or listening to this go on to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and let it give us a rating or a review and share this with as many dads as possible. Because, as we were talking about, Anthony, you know, a lot of people don't reach out. You know, there's all these problems that people have with their kids and they want to blame the schools and they want to blame the family courts and they want to blame all these other things but actually taking ownership, stepping up and actually getting advice and actually reaching out to guys like ourselves and just letting it bounce around. I mean, we're not experts here, guys, but it's nice to be able to field your questions to guys like us who have a wide kind of a range of, of experience in our lives and with our kids and things. And I think reaching out to us and reaching out to things like Anthony's Anthony's organization, The Phoenix Way, where, you know, you can get anti-bullying techniques and these kind of things is awesome. So maybe we can start the show just like that, Anthony. I think it's cool for the audience just to know a little bit more about what you're doing because what you're doing is changing lives and, in fact, probably saving lives.
2: <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd say progressively from year to year, month to month, week to week, I'm starting to hear the same things over and over and over and the same issues with the kids that they're having in schools and in life. And the easiest way for me to fix it is it's not to kick. It's not to punch. It's not all that stuff. It's helping these kids find their voice and parents, you know, it's easy for them to say, you know, I want you to go to school and just tell the kid to leave you alone back away punch him in the face, whatever it's going to be. But at the end of the day, if, you, if I can effectively teach a kid what confidence looks like, what confidence sounds like, bullying generally goes away. And, you know, the kids have to understand. And, and at least the kids that I've been working with, I mean, I've worked with hundreds of kids. They all know the strongest thing a kid has is their voice. And if they fail to use their voice, they fail to give up the strongest thing they have. So, and it's not the words that we say, it's how we say those words. So, you know, if you want to tell someone to back away or you want to tell them to back away. So when you start, when you start playing these things out, we start talking about the one major thing. It's, are we asking you to back away or are we telling you to back away? And these things need to be practiced and, and parents, you could be practicing these things at home. I mean, these are simple drills that you can be practicing at home. And, and I know, Tom, will do another podcast and we'll talk about that and get in more detail.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think who hasn't, whoever hasn't listened to that podcast, it's, it's a really important one to go and listen to, which is episode 29 with Anthony. Like we said, we'll be following up. So, yeah, that's what Anthony's doing at the Phoenix Way with martial arts. But, you know, a lot of dads want to say just punch him, as Anthony always says, and there's a lot more to it. But I think there's a whole theme to that, because even talking to the Father's Rights Movement, or sorry, um, Father's Lives Matter host, um, Alan Anderson, the other day, it was the same thing with fathers, you know, it's, just, it's the same thing with divorced dads, that want to complain about their ex-wives and complain about the courts and complain about this and that, but it's when you actually start looking at yourself and taking control, it's like you said, it's the magic, it's like when you start realizing, I'm not going to st- complain with the school, I'm not going to try and change all the other kids, I'm going to start focusing on my child and my parenting, like we talk about so many times. Because so many parents don't want to admit that, you know what I mean? It's hard to admit like, okay, well, actually I'm at fault here yeah, and I'm not paying attention and I'm not being intentional. It's easier to go, well, Alan, Anthony, it's your fault. You didn't train my kid. You're not treating my kid well. And it's the same thing with the family courts and stuff. It was the magic for me. The moment I stopped being a little bitch and stopped whining about everything and, and, and feeling like I was the victim and started to be the victor, it changed the game. And now I have my kids upstairs, you know, one week at my house, one week at my ex, so I mean, at the, at the offset of the show, before we get on to how Alan's doing, <laughs> sorry, Alan, um, I think that's just the message that we're trying to send with the dad syndicate. You know, it's be intentional, take ownership, take responsibility, realize that you have these things under your control and don't leave it up to other people to determine how your child's life runs in the end. It's up to us, it's up to our kids, and I think that's the, that's the message, man. And, and that's the thing. I mean, if, if, you,
2: if you don't have intent and – to make a difference and help your child, and you're going to put it on everybody else, you, you're just not going to get the outcome that you want. It's easy to blame the school. It's easy to blame the teacher. It's easy to blame that kid that shoved your kid. But it's what did you do to help your child? What did you do to empower your child? And these are these little, you know, those little ninja touches every day that you give to your kids to empower your child with, with, with the tools right? That's what it's all about. So, you know, look within, not without, right? Don't look in the mirror. Look, you know, too many people are looking through the window, not in the mirror. And, and that's what it's all about. Look at you and say, am I really doing what I need to do to help my child?
0: hundred percent. Right? Am
2: I really doing, because I got to tell you, there's some days I wake up and I'm like, am I doing enough? And it's, a, and it's, a, it's not the best feeling as a dad, is it?
1: Right. Um, Alan, did you feel good about that? You know, it's uh, I'm sitting back here chuckling because I saw the post I put on the Dad Syndicate Facebook page today. You know, you guys know I do a lot of coaching for entrepreneurs, businessmen, helping them have the right mindset. And uh, today's Facebook post was about intentionality. Uh, And the same thing I teach with businesses is no different in how you should be handling your relationship whether it's your wife's relationship or your relationship with your kids and today was all about intentionality and, and keeping your focus and your drive and uh you know with with kids you know especially when they're younger and you know they start off a hundred percent under your influence and they're they're being raised to be what you want them to be and as they get older and older you have less and less influence part of it is They're taking influence from outside people. And part of it is they have their own thought process now. So with kids, you got to have that intentionality from the get-go and and give them as much attention as you can uh, and drive at it. You guys got to read that Facebook post. The listeners should. And, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm fired up because you guys were all right in the same alignment coming from different directions.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's about being a good man in, in, in the end. And that's what I also said about the dad syndicate. It's, it's not just a, oh, well, I'm going to be a great dad because it relies so much on the skills of just being a good man, it, you know, and, and, and you need those skills in business for sure. You need those same things in your career. And so when you end up stepping up as a person in general, and, and I realized the deficiencies, and that was the moment that I changed when I really st- stood down actually to step up. I stood down in my whole pride and my ego when Tom, Listen here, bro. You're messing up in A, B, and C, and D, and to Z areas. You need to stop being intentional. You need to stop blaming other people. You need to stop blaming your parents. You need to start going. It doesn't matter what's happened to you in the past. This is where you're at now. Your kids depend on you now. Your colleagues depend on you. Your friends, your wife definitely depends on you. You know, it's over you.
2: You know what a lot of that depends on, though, Tom? Is you have to make a clear, concise decision that if you had – you know, shit happened to you as a kid and you're going to blame your mom, your dad, your teachers or whoever, like you've got to break those chains. You've got to make those decisions. Like, you know, if you want to say, Hey, I want, like, Hey, listen, I know how I was raised. You know, it was a little bit different back, you know, Alan and I talk about that when we were younger, it was a little bit different back then. Um, dads were tough, you know, you know, hitting was very common back then. Right, Alan? I got beat.
1: <laughs> uh, I didn't do that.
2: It just the way it is, and I understand Germany's like you know, hey, we don't hit, but hey, we're in America, right? So this is the this is the way it is here. And I knew as a father, I was going to break that chain. I knew how I wanted to be with my son. I wanted love. I wanted him to be. Um, I wanted that connection. But I had to put my ego aside and said, I'm not going to let those past influences create my current day. And you got to be strong enough to say, hey, I'm not doing that. I'm going to break the chain. And if you decide you're not going to break the chain and continue the abuse, continue the bullshit, then hey, the product that you have is the product you created. And and I, I tell you what, I love that term, break the chain, because you have to have, you have to be Intentional.
0: What you know, are some right? creative ways have to, to have occupy your to kids' it. time away and from electronics? Also, That's Justin blocks. So yourself, we'll start with a little bit of an easier one, I would say. Because, so what are your thoughts all right. on that one, Alan? Hey,
2: listen, we said this in several podcasts. They didn't have us, right? We had them. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can to give them the best that I can so I can raise them because they're going to leave me, right, to go live their lives, which is great. And, of course, they're going to come back and see me time to time. And now we talk about that, right, we raise them to leave us like you did with your
1: son, and he's doing awesome. Right. And, you know, when we talk about the intent, and, again, I'm going to go back to that Facebook post, to say I have intent to raise a good kid, that doesn't just mean in your head you think, okay, I'm going to raise a good kid. You actually have to, in everything you do throughout your day, think about, you know, if your goal is to raise a good kid, is this helping me raise a good kid? When you go to work, if you feel like being lazy and want to come home in a half a day, well, is that setting a good example for your kid? Is that bringing in good finances for your kid? You know, when you get home and you're exhausted and you don't want to help out, you want to, you know, sit around, is that not only not helping your wife is it not helping your kid is it not setting an example every single thing every day you've got to be thinking and it's tiresome but when you're relentless and you're taking massive action at it the rewards it gets you what you're looking for mm, definitely
0: uh, yeah absolutely and i think that's what at the end of every podcast that's what i say you know be relentless because that's the only way to be a great dad because it's a it never ends like we said there's no there you don't arrive at a place where you're like Hey, yeah, cool. I'm done. You know, I'm finished with this father thing. It's like till the day you die. That's how it is. And it never ends because the legacy, even after you die, because the legacy you leave, you know, you, how our kids remember us is massive. I know, I know people's whose fathers have passed away, including my, my wife's. And it's like the legacy they leave makes a difference for that child's life for the rest of their life. So it's massive. But anyways,
1: they'll so, raise their being, uh, kids
0: based on what we taught them. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But I like, uh,
2: I like how you keep saying relentless, Alan, or or Tom, when you talk about being relentless, it's like, you know, you come home and you're tired. And when you're tired, it's easy to just drop your bag and just, you know, kind of look to decompress Completely, But when you know you got two kids upstairs or whatnot, that's the time where you got to be like jet fuel. I'm on game on, you know, fourth quarter touchdown time. I don't give a shit what it is. You have to find that energy. And that's when you got it. You know, I got to go upstairs, you know, Right. Not go in. Hey, what's going on, bud? haven't seen you all day. Love you. What's going on? Oh, dad. Right. And you go into the minutiae of the one kid. Right. Fist pump. Love you. I'll be back in a little bit. Boom. Go to your daughter's room. Hey, what's going on? How was your day? Now, listen, at 10 o'clock, you know, you want to chill out but that's not the time to chill out. If you got kids, that's the time you gotta, you gotta find the light switch. You gotta find the energy and you, you end if have intent. Like when I go in there, I have intent. Like I go in there with like positive energy, but common, calming energy cause they're going to bed. Right. And so I think that, um, I, I like when you say that when you end our, when, when you end the podcast, be, be relentless.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's important. I mean, mean, we're not going to be perfect. And I think that's the other part of it. You know, be relentless, but just know that that's your motivation. You want to be intentional. You want to be a good dad, but you're going to fail. I mean, you're going to fail and being able to just get up from that and just... That's also relentless. You know, relentless is a a picture of a relentless is like, you know, someone's getting shot and they just fall down and then they're up again. And they go and they fall down and they're up again because the goal is what they're thinking about. And so the process is worth it. But anyways, I think we should probably get on to our questions before we... (laughs) Totally run out of time again on the Zoom here, but we've got quite a lot of good questions. I'm going to keep the first one anonymous because it's in quite a lot of detail. So I'm just going to read it, which says, Hi, Tom, I have so many questions I wish I could get help with. I'm a divorced dad with three kids. My oldest is 10 and my youngest is two. I get along pretty well with my oldest's mom and we communicate really well. But sadly, no matter how hard I try, the mother of my younger two couldn't care less. I've learned I cannot expect her to keep me informed or even if it's accurate when she does. I've gotten to where I'll call the doctor after the appointments to get the info and I talk to my four-year-old's teacher every other week to make sure I'm informed and know what she's working on so I can help. I've tried to open the lines of communication and work with her, but she won't budge. She's made it clear she feels the kids don't need me and she doesn't want me as a co-parent. I allow myself to get frustrated although I try not to let it show. I'm sure I can't always hide it as well as I think I am. What advice would you give on not only working with her better, but a better way for me to deal with it personally and in the best way for my kids. There's obviously so much more to all of this. Don't worry. I know, but it's different to explain in this format. I hope my question is clear. My main concern is I honestly feel she can think of me however she wants, but I can see the effects on my kids and that's what hurts and frustrates me most. Now I will, I will speak later on this cause this sounds like my life like three years ago. So i but I'll throw it over to you, Anthony,
1: Alan, any of you got any thoughts on this? You know, I, I went through this, um, very, very similar where, uh, my ex-wife didn't want, you know, didn't, didn't really want my participation. And then it very quickly became full custody for me. Um, but during that time, e- even when I had custody and she was visitation, she didn't want to share any information with me. Uh, and, you know, I went through a lot of that. Um, it sounds like you're doing it right, uh, already, um, you want to you got to keep it separate from the kid and you, you hopefully it's a little unclear from the question that she's keeping it separate from the kid that you know she may feel like she doesn't need you as a parent but she needs to recognize that the kids need you as a parent uh you know that's always key if you're you're a dad and you're present she has to let you be present and just try to be amicable always mention to her every time you have a conversation that it's for the interest of the kids and, and you can like side with it be like, yeah, I don't want to have to be talking to you either, but we have to because of the kids. So let's just address the kid issues, you know, and leave it at that. Yeah. But and look then, at, um, at the
2: situation though, Alan, you know, not to interject, but you know, when you see situations like this and you read the, this question uh, or what I'm saying here, she's not saying I don't need you. She's basically it's, it's hurting the father. She's doing it. She's intentionally doing it. You know, she's intentionally putting up the roadblocks and, you know, it's a maddening situation for dad to feel that helpless. And, you know, I will say for him, um, be relentless. Right. Right. Tom, Mm -hmm. because, um, he's going to have to go through a lot of hardship until the seas get calmer for him, because because he he's in the eye of the storm if he's dealing with what he's dealing with, and and Tom just from our conversations, what you went through, um, seriously, it, you tell us. I mean, Tom, how bad was that? I mean, you you were you were hanging on the edge.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to hear from him because he doesn't actually talk about the custody arrangement. But can I can imagine he sounds like a weekend dad. Sounds like the usual situation that dads get put in after the divorce. If he's getting left out of the loop, because I know that now that I've got week by week, even if my ex leaves me out of the loop, it's only for a week, you know, and then I'm, I'm back on it. So it's not that difficult. But um, I know that I waste a lot of time, a lot of energy um, on the negative feelings towards my ex and what she was trying to do yeah. to me. And, and also, I think, let's but be was honest. She doing, was she doing it again on purpose, though? Well, there were times when she would say things and tell the kids things and she would write me messages and she would write letters to the court that said things that were just obviously trying to like paint me in a bad light and to try and right. show that I wasn't a great father and stuff, which was, which was quite ridiculous. But I think what happens is that this is the nature of the beast. You get divorced, people are angry, and they're going to do things to hurt you, especially if you left. Now, I left my ex-wife and that naturally put me on this path where she was angry with me. And... Uh, then naturally not having the kids the majority of the time, she had the upper hand all the time because she was basically giving me time with my children, which is already the problem that we feel as father. We feel like, how can someone give me time with my kids? I should be an equal parent. And then she was also like leaving out information or not telling me stuff or doing exactly what he's talking about. And I didn't deal with it well. And I can only say to this guy, I'll say like, listen, man, you've got to like get, you've got to become sovereign. And you've got to become independent of these things. You've got to let them go because they did nothing good to me. They just made my time with my kids less worth. They made my time with a new partner less worth because what was I focusing on? Writing messages for ages. And what I stopped doing is I stopped reacting to anything. I stopped reacting negatively to any email, anyone. I would write it on, a, on, on like an Outlook or whatever and then I would delete the whole thing, come back the next day and I'd leave time between all the communications because I would obviously be mad. So I would calm down and then I'd write like matter of fact, Like bullet points, and you know know what what I would tell you
2: too. Like you, you were talking about like communication. When you start getting into like, if if you and I are face to face and we start to have, you know, this disagreement, it, it it is nowhere near as bad when it's on texting because you start saying things and it gets really contentious, and then all of a sudden you have these words that are here forever. And then you keep reading it again. And like, what did she say? Like, like, dude, like what? And then you're like texting her back. Like, did you just say? And so it just spins, it spins, it spins. And it's funny because a few of the dads that I spoke with uh, who were in similar situations, they said, no more texting. Do not text me. It's all email because he could control the email. He could control when he looked at the email, how to respond to the email. And he also had a... Track record. He had the, you know, he, he could print it out and it was there versus, you know, texts get lost and all that stuff. Um, but don't let you, again, right? Words. Um, you know, what do I say to my kids, right? It's not the bite of the steak that kills you, it's, it's the venom left behind. And when you see those text <laughs> messages from your ex who you don't want to hear from her and she's going to be nasty and tough or whatever it's going to be, and you're going to be just as nasty back, just be like, done. Block the texting, deal with the emails, and then move on. Now, he's got a problem because these kids are young. So he can't call them, text them, you know, without her, right?
1: So this is is dealable with. The email is definitely key to do. Um, You know, that's that's what I wind up doing too. He's going to have to talk to her still when they're young. Sometimes you just need a faster communication. The key, whether it's email or talking, is you only address the issues (laughs) to do with the kids. Yeah. If she's emotional, she's gonna bring up other crap, or she's just gonna, you know, be reacting emotionally, saying emotional stuff, cursing at you, calling you out for things that maybe you did wrong and you know you did wrong. Don't sit there and apologize for them. Just respond to what has to do with the kids. Mm You focus on the kids. They're your your goal, and and she's just an obstruction in the way. But you're not focusing on her. You focus on reaching that goal, which is the kids. Uh, again, you know, like Anthony's saying, when they're younger, it's tougher. As the kids get older, you'll be able to find out what's going on in their life just by talking to them. Um, but when they're young, yeah, you will have to work with her. Work just on the issues. Period. Keep it straight to that. Uh, you know, it,
2: would, it would break my heart, though. It would kill me if I didn't get to see my kids or a weekend dad. I mean, I don't know. Mm. It does. You got to consider
1: going for custody. If if it gets to a point where her relationship or what she's doing with the kids is destroying your relationship and it's bad for the kids, then you got to say, hey, look, maybe I need to go for custody. And I don't want to hear this. Well, I got to work and I can't have the kids because I'm sure she has to work and she has the kids. You can single dad. I single dadded it's a thing you can do it you can't just sit back and complain if you're not willing to take action
0: yeah well my kids were young Hey, eh? my kids were twins they were two years old two and a half actually and so I went through the whole thing but I just know that I wasted a lot of energy on just being mad at the other person and like you said wasted yes. a lot of energy and communication that was unhelpful and, and and made it worse for myself actually in fact and didn't didn't further the needs of my kids um I think once I started being level-headed and really, like I said it before, this is just in the situation. Stop blaming everybody. Blame yourself. Take ownership. Make your home the best home it can be. So that and make any time that with the kids that you have with the kids as wonderful as possible. And I'm not meaning money and stuff. I'm just meaning like being a real dad and stepping it up. So when your kids are with you, they form that real bond. That's how I did it with my kids. And eventually, my kids went in front of court twice. The court said to my ex, like, "Hey, why should they not be with the kids?" And they just said, "No." And the judge was like. Uh, how can you just say no? no? And I said, well, how can these people just say no with no reason? And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was like, no one had a reason. And I think he has to just remember that everything's on record and keeping everything good on record, keeping everything civil, keeping everything above right. board, making himself a fit, healthy, loving, caring, well-earning father goes a long way to actually making these things work. When we put That's a lot of energy, the other things we don't care take care of our health. We stop taking care of our job. We can often get into bad you know, emotional and psychological situations that then make us ill-equipped and not as great a dad as we could be. And then maybe people become right in saying that we aren't the best of our kids. Whereas you can stop that. It's tough. It sucks. Anthony, I mean, you said it hurts you, Man, it killed me, bro. It was definitely yeah. killed me, but I'm a man. I'm older. I chose to get divorced. I've got to make but it. I will tell you this.
2: I will say this in life. When, you know, let's just make, I'm making an assumption. Let's make an assumption. This, his ex-wife is being irrational. She's yeah. doing these things to purposely yeah. hurt him because you can't honestly say, I mean, he sounds like a good guy. Um, it is going to be better for him to be in the kids' lives. Yeah. But, you know, it's very <laughs> difficult to be rational to an irrational person. So it's easy for us to say, hey, stay calm, talk nice, blah, 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 and all this. But you know what? Being rational to an irrational person could be maddening. It really can. So if anything, I mean, listen, I'm not, there is no easy answer for this, Mm -hmm. but I can, I can at least, he, 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 this guy can at least listen to this and say, okay, okay cool. There's other people that, that have been through something like this and it is maddening and I'm going to have to kind of deal with it. You know, they
1: will learn to predict her actions, you know, when they're being irrational like that, even irrational, you know, you can pre play what's going to happen come next visitation. And so you can work to tweak, try different things. You know, you, if, especially if the kid's young and you got years of this to go, You can try different methods to see which one gets you the results you're looking for. Um, You know, and and you you say what you got to say. If she wants you to say, I'm sorry, you say, I'm sorry. If if, uh, you know, she doesn't want to address the issue, don't address the issue. Just do what it takes to get what's right for your kids done.
0: Yeah. I think that's great advice. I think focus on the kids. That's the important part. And I think he sounds like he is. So I think carry on doing that. And I think just, Anthony's right. It is maddening. And you can't say to someone like just, be yeah. happy." but I just know that if I look back on my experience, that would be the advice I'd give to myself is Tom, don't sweat the small stuff. Like, remember your kids love you. You love your kids. You ain't going to do anything better by getting mad, ruining time with them, wasting precious moments on stressing about their mom. Just like leave the SMSs, whatever, put the phone away, spend the time with your kids and then deal with it when the kids are gone and, uh, and, and see how it goes and, and get back to us and, and let us know how, how, how it's going. So, anyway, let's move on to a great supporter of the dad syndicate, Justin Bloxham. Really su- appreciate support. Excellent dude, raising three boys himself, doing a great job. So, thanks for sending us questions. So, his question is What are some thoughts on connecting with a child that drives you nuts? My youngest and I butt heads a good bit. I know that it's partly because I get fra- frustrated that he doesn't like to just cooperate with what I ask. Not very good on my part. He still gets excited to see me after I've been gone. So, at least we have a positive relationship overall. However, I know that over time, this could be a problem. So what advice would you have for that situation, Anthony?
2: That's a tough one.
0: <laughs>
2: yes. I, I, Which ones are easy? One.
0: Please tell me because I haven't heard one easy question <laughs> since I started the show.
2: First of all, it, it goes back again to your ego. You, it goes back to your ego. Like you're not getting a desired result or whatnot from, from your child. Um and then you start, you know, puffing up. Uh, it just makes it worse. So I know there's times when I walk in on uh, my daughter, and um, she's just in a mood, and you know, I'm trying to connect with her, and it's just she, the way she's speaking. I just want to be like, "Are you freaking kidding?" You know, I, I want to say to her, "Like, who the hell do you think you're talking to?" But if I do do that, it's butting heads. It doesn't work. And so I said, "You know what?" hey, hon, I'll be back in a little bit and I'll go wash my face, put my stuff away, whatever. And then I'll come back and test the waters again. And generally things kind of smooth themselves out. Um, but if you're going to just butt heads, um, it's a lose, lose. It is a lose, lose, man. You know, you just got to, you got to let the ego go and you got to figure out how you're going to mm-hmm. connect. Um, we are the adult, right? And And I like to believe that we do have a bit of the upper hand um, of how we can, you know, mentally deal with them. Um, Tough situation for this guy.
1: You know, I I think when you're talking about button heads with them, the first thing you got to look at is, are you two alike? Um, You know, the kids, kids learn from you. So I would ask your wife or other people that are around both you a lot, you know, are, are the two of you just alike? Or if people are telling you all the time that you, you two are the same. Well, it could be that that you're half the problems, you know, maybe you're button heads with other people. And so he sees that and he thinks that that's the way to behave. So take a take an inward look first. And then after that, you know, if it, that's not the case, I would encourage you to make sure you find some common interests together things that you both enjoy, whether it's sports, cars, computers, whatever you're into. um, Anytime that the two of you can come together for a cause and do something together for a cause, you'll find your butt heads a lot less if there's a common goal. So I I would encourage you to look that way on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know Justin, and I'd be very surprised if he's butting heads with other people. Justin's a very even-keeled, really cool guy. I really like enjoy talking to him and I think he's got a head screwed on straight. He might just have a kid that's difficult. I mean, I don't know for sure because I don't know him that well. But um, I would just say, it's the thing that Anthony says. It's just that ego thing. I find that's my problem. So if I can relate it to myself with a kid that I have a problem with, you know, I I don't continually butt heads with him. So I butt heads sometimes, but I have a very close relationship as well. So it's, I think because I look for those wonderful moments and that connection as well. And I just accept that I'm butting heads. I think sometimes we think that that's a problem and sometimes it's not a problem. It's just part of the relationship and it doesn't mean that we don't have a connection or that things are bad between us if we're willing to just butt heads. And I feel like my daughter and I are just willing to butt heads sometimes and she gets over it and I get over it. And when I see that happening, it makes me feel more relaxed because I can still go, okay, well, I had this problem with her, but we still have a close relationship. And, I'm sure that's a lot of parents. It's like that. And I think what happens when we can't accept children's behaviors and our ego gets in the way and our feelings that this child is just um, defying us. And like he says, just not cooperating. We feel it's like a personal attack and therefore we feel that the relationship is damaged when actually as a teacher, I see this happening a lot with kids. It's just because the kids like that. I've heard from so many parents, my son loves you as a teacher. And I'm going like, Really? Because he freaking doesn't want to, doesn't show it that much in class sometimes. But that's, so it's not really a reflection of how much the son and him have a connection possibly. It's just a sign that they butt heads and maybe they're similar and maybe they're so different that they just don't get each other and they're on a totally different wavelength. But I think we had a similar question a little while back. I think maybe that's
2: really not the right time to be communicating with the child. You know, sometimes we're walking into their lives most of the time. They're not walking into ours And you know, if they're in their room doing a project, reading, YouTubing, whatever the case may be, we're stepping into their world. So we're being obtrusive to their world and we're asking them to stop what they're doing to communicate with us. And, you know, I really do kind of temper the waters to see, you know, is it a good time? Um, and, and, And believe me, I'm not saying I'm gonna let them dictate my life, but I will get a temperament of where they're at before I decide to dive deeper in with them. Um, and I, you know, I kind of wish like, man, I'm like, I'm in my fifties now and I'm so much different at 50 than I was at 40 than I was at 30. And I think that, um, and that's why I think I've always hung out with much older people than me. And I always appreciated their wisdom and I like. experience i really did you know well, why are you laughing
0: <laughs> much older um,
2: people just did Ellen. Well, well, hey when you're you know when you're sitting there talking to somebody you know when i'm 40 and they're 70 Yeah,
0: no, and i also dig
2: it and all of a sudden you're listening to their their nuggets um <laughs> it it's just it's awesome but no, you for know sure. It, you know, here at 50, being at a, a dad versus being 40, it's completely different, different life experiences. And I can tell a kid who's 40, like, dude, slow your roll. You know, your kid loves you. <laughs> Give a hug. Yeah. Um, sit down, be calm, speak with a lower tone, stop yelling at them. And, you know, you can really change things. But, you know, a lot of how we raise kids, it's the maturity of us. It's our maturity, you know. It's not just all about the kid. It's about us. Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred percent, man. I think it's yeah, it's a good point, and I think that's what's the value of having you and Alan on. Your old guys, you know. It's um, sorry. I mean, <laughs> you older guys just have no. I'm just joking. I mean, just a different experience. You know, Alan's son's left the house. You got your teenagers. I got the young kids now. And I think that's the beauty of it. I think that's the cool thing about what we're doing here, guys, that guys can just listen to podcasts because a lot of guys don't connect with guys that are older than them. I also find value in that. I think it's, it's important to look for different people in life that can help you through things. But I agree. I think it's just about us. And I think... Just focus on ourselves, focus on what we can control. It's it's damn hard to control kids, especially if you're butting heads with them. I think just Justin, I would say just keep on doing what you're doing, keep on being the man you are. Don't don't think too hard on it, accept it's gonna be tough sometimes. And at times, you know, just walk away and and take a breath and and don't let it bother you so much. So that's my last thoughts on that question. I think we're gonna wrap it up with this question from Tim Ward. It's quite a nice one to end off with, I think. How do you guys structure your day to accomplish the day's mission? Do you guys schedule the load at the beginning of the day or do you prefer to do it in the evening?
1: Well, I have a, uh, a structure that's worked quite well with me that I teach to a lot of entrepreneur dads. Um, you you want to structure your day so that you have wins throughout it. You, you want to set yourself up. I start my day with wins in the morning and, and a win is, for instance, I get up, I thank God for all the blessings that I have. Win number one, done. Brush your teeth is win number two. Get dressed. Win number three, make coffee. Win number four. I have a habit set up that when I fill my coffee mug with, uh, first with water, I drink it. I get a cup of water in. After I make my coffee, that signals me to do 21 push-ups. Actually, I just upped it to 22.
0: Wow, and big gains.
1: I know. It's just, it's just uh, to be. To set habits for wins. <laughs> uh, then I'll go do my work social media because that's a positive thing. It's not a negative. Yeah, yeah. I
0: don't get Yeah, negative.
1: that's good. So you start with wins. Then you move into your day. You start doing your stuff. Midday, like Tuesday is my two o'clock win. I get to do this, uh, the podcast. You know, lunch break, non negotiable, gonna stop and have lunch. Uh, and and it, that's a win. End of the day, same thing, put some wins in there. Uh, you know, 9.30, stop for the day and sit with my uh, wife, watch TV, although we always wind up talking through it the whole time. Uh, (laughs) Non-negotiable wins. That makes whatever else happens throughout the middle of the day handleable and you can achieve more uh, because, you know, you're getting done. As far as the important stuff versus the less important, I always start with the big stuff first. Get that done. God forbid that You know, you hit a snag, it's Mm -hmm. going to take longer. You can Mm -hmm. always tackle that first, but then you have a break, you have a win, move on to the next one.
0: Cool. Anthony, we've got three minutes left. What's up, man? What's your thoughts? I
2: I give it in a quick, quick nutshell. I mean, how, you know, since my days are are busy, multiple businesses, multiple relationships, things that I do, um, I found that doing like a a to-do list was a failure. Because on my to-do list, I'd have, you know, 23 things on it. Like literally, like 23 things. I mean, I could write down, I need to do this, 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 and this. I'm like, okay. This sucks because I'm not really accomplishing anything. I'm overwhelmed. I feel stressed out about it, and I was like, forget it. And then I started implementing the 12-3-1. So I would look at the 12 things I the things that I I want to do, right? The three things that I should do, and then that one major thing that I have to get done. And come how high water nowadays, I'm doing that one thing. So you you know everybody could tell me all this shit that they're getting done in their days, but I'm getting it done. I'm making sure that one major thing is getting done. Um, and then, of course, you're going to have those micro things that you have to get done through the day. So if that big thing gets accomplished and that's my priority, then everything else I will tick off. And then the next, you know, either late that night, I'll reset that that priority sheet. And then or sometimes I'll wake up early and I'll build that sheet uh, again. And and my sheets are, um, they the way I build them are... Uh, I think I showed you guys this before, but I don't do a, a list anymore. I do the make it happen list. We talk about that. Your make it happen list. It's like I'm tired of saying I have a list of what to do. I have a, a list of what I'm going to make happen that day. And, and I think if you prioritize just to do that one thing and get it done right, I think that y- you'll have, you'll have a, a much more successful day.
0: So whether it's in the morning or night, I mean, for me, I like to get little things done in the morning. I think when I leave them tonight, I've just noticed that things that are important to me, I will end up not doing sometimes because life is unpredictable. I think when I get up early in the morning, the time is generally myself, at least for the first hour. So I know that if I've got that first hour every day, I'm going to get shit done in the morning. So I set myself up for success by having those things succeeded. So all those wins, like Alan was saying, I like to have all those wins behind my back. And then I can hit the day. Naturally, i got my work and i got my podcast at night and I spend time with my wife. But having those wins in the morning just makes me feel, okay, like I get, to the, I get to 12 o'clock and I think, wow, I've accomplished so much at 12 o'clock, that gives me steam to carry on the day and win it. So... I, I would recommend packing pack the morning full of things that you really wanna get done. I'd say get that done. That's my advice for that, for how it works for me. And then I'll plan things for the evening. But remember that things, when you got kids, things can go awry and and then leaving it too late is not so great. So guys, I'm gonna wrap it up there. Thanks a lot for joining me once again. It's been great, I think it just gets better. I think next week will be even a notch high. Thanks so much guys for sending in those questions. Chris Bell will get your question next week. And so yeah, to all of those out there, thanks so much for listening. And remember to do better, be better, and have better. Thanks, guys. Until next week.